And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Just love having Wade Miller join us uh, in the last hour. He is the political director for the Senator Ted Cruz for Senate campaign, re-election campaign. Stellar, stellar thinker. Um, honestly, we probably should have had a whole hour just to run through everything that we needed to talk about related to the debate. But the top of the second hour, I love to do the cruise to the news, and I have to hit uh, one other thing from the Senator Cruz O'Rourke debate that I thought was stellar, and um, and just it just obviously really bothered the American left. The question at the end. The next day, besides having closing statements, the last question was, you know, this has been very acrimonious. Can each of you find something nice to say about the other? So they said nice things. You know, they uh, started with with uh, Representative O'Rourke and he said, oh, you know, it's so hard to have a family and small children and be traveling and you know, it's a strain on your family. And uh, I know you believe in what you're doing or something like that. So then Ted Cruz said similar things. Well, you have, you know, young children at home, you know, and I know it's very hard to go back and forth. But Cruz ended his remarks uh, with this. I'm going to play this and then tell you what I think about it. But here's how, what Senator Cruz kind of ended that remark with, those remarks with. I think Congressman O'Rourke is passionate. He is energetic. He believes in what he's fighting for. In fact, I have very much the same sentiments. You know, last year I did three debates with Bernie Sanders, and I expressed this at all three debates, that Bernie Sanders believes in what he's fighting for. He believes in socialism. Now, I think what he's fighting for doesn't work, but I think you are absolutely sincere, like Bernie, that you believe in, in expanding government and higher taxes. And, and, and I commend you for fighting for what you believe in. As you noted, we disagree on the outcome, but you're fighting for the principles you believe in, and I, I respect that. Okay, I have to tell you that, folks, here in Texas, there is a a Democrat uh, guy who's a he's a political consultant. He was just out of his mind about that closing remark, as were some other people, because they didn't like in the closing in the, you know, being kind, supposedly time to be nice, uh, that Ted Cruz had compared Beto O'Rourke with Bernie Sanders, the outspoken, you know, at least honest Democrat socialist. And I have to say two things about that. Number one is it is a stellar opportunity. If Beto O'Rourke really is trying to say, I'm not nearly as far left as Bernie Sanders. I'm not totally a socialist. I mean, I want socialized medicine, but I'm not totally a socialist. It'd be a great opportunity for Beto O'Rourke's campaign to put a statement out to say, to correct the record you know, I respect Senator Bernie Sanders, nice guy, whatever, but I'm not as far left. I'm not a socialist. I love free markets. He won't do it because he knows and his followers know, at least the insiders know, that he is as socialist as Bernie Sanders. Many of his policies are just as socialist as Bernie Sanders. And this is why it bothered the supporters of Beto, because they know, especially in Texas, that socialism isn't going to fly. This is why Beto's policies, Beto's words, his speeches are always so nondescript, nonspecific, you know, happy talk, work with everybody, come together, blah, blah. But you look at what he votes for, you look at what he advocates, it's socialism, which reminded me of one of the funniest lines in a movie. If y'all ever saw Liar Liar with Jim Carrey, I mean, he's, he's kind of flaky, I guess, but Liar Liar is a great movie. And in the movie where he's been magically, uh, this thing happens where he can't lie for 24 hours and he's a sleazy lawyer and he always lies. So he's in court 
And in court, he's you know trying to put on a case. It's not true. He's lying in court. So he's got uh, you know he's p- trying to present a falsity to the court. And anyway, there's a really funny line. And I was because this was exactly what I wanted to say to the people who were upset by what how Ted Cruz ended his statement when he analogized Beto O'Rourke to the um, to Bernie Sanders. Your Honor, I object because it's devastating to my case. <laughs> okay. That is, okay, that's Jim Carrey. That, I mean, what he actually says, Your Honor, I object. He says, on what ground? He goes, because it's devastating. There's no basis in logic for these people upset with Ted Cruz to be mad that Ted Cruz analogized Beto O'Rourke to Bernie Sanders. The two are political kissing cousins. Now, if Beto isn't, he ought to say so. And if his followers think he isn't, they ought to make that distinction. But the reason it got to people, the reason there were news commentators saying, oh, he shouldn't have said that. That one, very nice. Because it's true. That's why they're upset. Because it's true. Okay. Two of the points I want to hit in this cruise to the news. This week, of all the Me Too weeks there are, Bill Cosby is being sentenced. And this is, this is a guy who actually did deserve the accusations against him, is in trouble because of the things he actually did. And he's going to be sentenced, uh, I guess, to a fair number of years for having drugged and then sexually assaulted numerous women. Thank goodness uh, it caught up with him. All, all in favor of actual victims uh, being uh, heard and having the, the people they're accusing who commit the wrongdoing uh, be culpable. On the subject of socialism, I was going to hit, if you did not see this story this week, I think it's actually amazingly breathtaking. We've talked about Venezuela before in this show, and Venezuela is in the midst of just utter utter abject misery starvation the people because of socialism because of what bernie sanders is selling because of what beto o'rourke is selling because of what ocasio uh, cortez is selling this is what socialism is so this in in venezuela the people are so starving because socialism makes misery that they've been breaking into the zoo and killing zoo animals to eat them they are picking through garbage and yet the president of venezuela nicolas maduro ate at a super, super fancy steak restaurant this week, and uh, somebody in there was videoing him. So you have literally eating steak while the people starve. I don't know what's ever going to happen there, except the people love to overthrow him. Okay, folks, I go off to a break. We come back from a break. We have a candidate for U.S. Congress joining us uh, in this next segment, Ron Ron Wright running for CD6 from Texas. Come right back on Facebook. Come back in four minutes. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. 
Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and I, as I mentioned before our break, I'm very, very glad we have joining us in studio, Ron Wright. He is here. Uh, he is a candidate for U.S. Congress uh, from the great state of Texas, CD6, right? CD6. Thank you for having me, Debbie. So glad you're here. Okay, you know, we've been, I've been wound up since I got here. I'm, I'm upset about the Kavanaugh thing. I'm upset about, and, and you know, I, I think it's astonishing that we might not get that. But let's turn to what, what you are involved in doing. As a, by way of quick background, um, you're, you were formerly the Tarrant County Tax Assessor? Still am, actually. So, okay. How long have you had that job? Uh, seven and a half years. 
Okay, so this so, is a big jump to run for Congress. What uh, made you get in this race? Well, I was uh, formerly the chief of staff for the current congressman, Joe Barton. Okay. So I've, I've been to Washington. I know how it works. Uh, I was his district director prior to that, so I'm very familiar with the 6th Congressional District, uh, the people, their issues. And uh, I served on the Arlington City Council for eight years. Uh, that's the population center for the district. So I'm very familiar with the district. I'm very familiar with Washington and how it works and uh, ready to hit the ground running. That's a very good way to be in Washington because it, it seems like it's on fire up there, just on fire. So let me just start with a couple of issues and see what, I'm curious sure. what, what you think about them. First of all, there's just an endless battle in Washington relating to building the wall, securing the border, and, and a lot of people who think maybe that's a little bit unfriendly to do. So what do you think about that? Well, I'm, I'm for the wall. I, I think walls work. And, uh, you know, we if, if we're not looking at, at immigration as a national security issue, then we're not looking at it correctly. Uh, if you talk to uh, the border control officers down there, uh, most of whom are Hispanic, uh, they will tell you it's not just Mexico and Central America. People are coming from all over the world and crossing our border in Texas. Uh, they come from every continent. In, in the month of May, 135 people from Bangladesh Crossed the border illegally south of Laredo. Now, who would have thought people from Bangladesh would come? But they do. They come from all over the world. And it's important. We're a sovereign nation. We have the right to know who's coming into our country. And uh, so to me, it's as much a national security imperative as it is just a straight up immigration issue. I couldn't agree more. And I think the people who uh, I think the American left works so hard to not have secure borders to to not. And they're showing against the wall, but even not to have secure borders. To me, I think they're looking at the possibility of they, they like this loose border at the, at, the, at the especially the southern border. They see these people as potential future voters that they're all going to well, legalize. Well, well, they do, and, and they're wrong. They're putting the, the nation at risk. Uh, we know that the Mexican gangs come across. We know that uh, the cartel pushes drugs across. It's a very dangerous and volatile situation down there. And so, no, I, I believe we should build a wall. And... Um, I think that other countries, people from other countries, should respect our laws just as we as Americans would respect uh, the laws of of other countries. There's nothing racist. The left always wants to put us on the defensive. There's nothing racist about expecting the laws of the United States to be enforced. Okay. I want to change the Second Amendment. I want to run through and make sure our listeners know what you're all about and then for uh, for sure have you tell us how your campaign's going and how people can help you. But... um, I want to hit the Second Amendment. I just had in studio prior to this, I had Wade Miller, who's the um, political director for the Ted Cruz for Senate campaign. He had, yeah, he had a big debate with Beto about the Second Amendment. So what do you think, if anything, Congress should do to protect students in schools when there's this argument that the Second Amendment answer, or the answer of the left is take guns away from everybody? What's well, your answer? T- taking guns away from people is, is not the answer, and, and it wouldn't work anyway because— Bad people, uh, criminals, will continue to get guns. So if you if you pass laws that that restrict restrict gun ownership or the right to carry, uh, it, it only affects the the law abiding people, not the criminals. Uh, I agree with Senator Cruz the other night when he said we need more law enforcement in the schools. We need to protect our children. We need to protect the teachers. Um, but removing guns is not the answer. It never has been. Exactly right. Yeah. And on the Second Amendment, it's so funny because every time we have all these horrible incidents at a school, 
is when the left gets fired up about that. And so I'm glad that we, because right after the horrible incident, the most recent one in Texas, Ted actually, or Ted Cruz, I think they even came up with a bill to fund security officers to permit uh, gun carrying. And I, I just, it's almost like the left doesn't want to solve the problem. They don't. It, it's, it's, uh, an, uh, it's, an, it's an issue they can use, like so many issues they use, to inflame people and frighten people. Uh, it's like when you start talking about uh, balancing the budget and entitlement reform, they immediately demagogue the issue and, and try and frighten seniors and frighten the, the, the disabled and frighten veterans um, because that's how they, they win. That's how they win with fear. We've got to do just the opposite. We've got to tell people the truth. We've got to tell people the, the good news about this country. I'm very excited about the future of this country. Uh, we've got the best economy in a generation. Yep. Tax, the ca- tax cuts work. We need to make them permanent. Now, we do need to go in and, and, and take care of the other side of the equation, and that is the spending side. Yeah. It's, you know, I was going to say on spending, I, I uh, always will tout the conservative view on things. And we say as conservatives often, well, we really want to cut spending. But you know what happens in Washington is nobody is that incentivized to do it because there doesn't seem to be any, any immediate harm if you continue to spend. Well, uh, you know, Republicans have a great story in this election, and we need to, we need to tell that story. But I, I will take my party to task a little bit on that issue. Yep. Uh, because— we continue, despite the fact that we have uh, the majority, we continue to pass these CRs instead of passing a real budget. Continuing resolutions, yep. We continue to pass these 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 enormous uh, omnibus spending bills. Nobody knows what's in, in them when they pass. And the way we fund the federal government is insane. Uh, we've got to get back to the way it used to be done with, with uh, passing a budget. Yep. Um, and, you know, making sure that we... Uh, have uh, the resources we need, but at the same time, we've got to control the spending and get it under control. For the, We have to leave our grandchildren more than debt. We need to leave them opportunity. And yeah. we can't do that if, if, if we continue to pile up debt. Absolutely true. Absolutely. What do you think about repealing Obamacare? Should we keep on trying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, we promised we would do that. Republicans promised we would do that in 2010. They gave us yeah. back the majority. We need to fulfill that promise. The healthcare, we can have a healthcare system that works, one in which the patient and the doctor make the decisions, one that covers people that need coverage. We, uh, the Republican alternative to Obamacare, I was up there then. The Republican alternative included things like portability. It included covering Pre-existing, yes. That's the one the Democrats always argue. In fact, Beto was arguing that. Well, Well, you know, and he's wrong. He's wrong. The Republican alternative since '09 has included covering pre-existing conditions. Yeah. Every time I speak about, I say our country has always and will always provide for those who are mentally or physically unable to work. Absolutely. And we will include the pre-existing condition uh, people who are suffering from that. We always have. We're not going to suddenly abandon that. Democrats need to stop the fear mongering. It's damaging the country. And Republicans need to tell the positive story that we've got to tell. Okay, so what do you when you on your campaign trail? You're running around CD six, I'm sure, talking all the time. What do you hear? What are people mostly worried about, concerned about? Uh, people in, in in my district, you know, the uh, the economy's up. Their the unemployment is is low, and they're excited about that. Um, but 
they are concerned about the border. They are concerned about immigration. They're concerned about national security. They're concerned about security here at home. They're concerned about security in their homes. They want to feel safe in their homes. They want to know that when their children get on that school bus and go to school that they're going to be safe when they get there. And we, we have a responsibility to make sure that happens. Absolutely true. So what is your, I know we're going to be out of time here in about a minute, but on immigration, I thought, uh, I personally really like the Goodlatte bill, but there's just a, there's an effort, there needs to be something bigger than just little fixes here and there. Do you have, I'm sorry, it's only about a minute, but well, do you have a thought on immigration? Yeah, I think there needs to be a thorough, uh, comprehensive reform of immigration. Uh, we need from, from top to bottom, we need to make it easier for those. Uh, that that do come in legally, and I want to stress that I'm all for Republicans are for legal immigration. We want to bring people into this country and enjoy the opportunities of freedom that we offer. Uh, but we need to know we have a responsibility to our own population to know who's coming into our country. And so we're all for legal immigration, but we need to completely reform uh, the immigration system. Couldn't agree more. And I think there are more and more Democrats talking about if they ever had control again, they would legalize not just the DACA people, but the Dreamers and even perhaps the whole illegal immigrant population. In fact, I think Beto is pretty close on that. Something in the range of 20 million, whatever it is. Okay. We're about out of time. Tell us, how can our listeners find you on the internet and find you? uh, They can find, I I have a a website um, and they can reach me on Facebook. uh, Ron number four Congress at Gmail is my email. Uh, right for Congress is my website, and um, we would um, we love to hear from people. We love to hear what their concerns are, uh, and we got a really big schedule coming up. All right, folks, we're gonna. I'm sorry. Thank I, you so much for having. Thanks me. for coming, Ron. I'll, I'll give you the address after we come back from the break. Come right back to America. Can we talk? Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. If you are listening to America Can We Talk, you know that my show is dedicated to preserving the exceptional idea that is America. I want to take a minute to tell you what I mean by that. Unlike almost every other country on the planet, America's culture, our very identity, has nothing at all to do with ethnicity, race, or national origin. Instead, America is all about ideas, including the most basic idea that each of us simply because we were born has the God-given right to live out our individual version of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness within the guardrails of the Constitution and our laws. Preserving this requires patriots in every American generation to grasp the importance of this truth, to recognize and fight back against the subtle and not-so-subtle relentless attacks on American liberty, and to speak up for and defend the unique culture of American-style liberty. The federal government spends $900 billion annually on anti-poverty programs. What has it produced? 75% of black children are born into fatherless homes. 43% of the prison population is black. The black poverty rate has remained at twice the national average. And cities like Oakland, Baltimore, St. Louis, and Detroit are in ruins. Instead of helping, bad policies and billions of dollars have spread a sickness in the black community. It's time for a cure. The Center for Urban Renewal and Education, CURE, led by President Star Parker, is addressing our nation's most critical problems in our nation's most distressed zip codes. CURE's mission is to fight poverty and restore dignity through faith, freedom, and personal responsibility. To find out more, to read about how CURE works, and how you can help, 
please visit urbancure.org and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Together, you and I can cure America. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldier is deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis, and I have in studio actually one of my really good friends, Lisa Luby Ryan. Hello. Hi, Debbie. Good to be back with you. Great to have you. She was also, earlier in the show, we had Wade Miller. He was also a roundtable person with me. Uh, and now Lisa is here. But the reason she's here is because she is running for Texas House, HD 114. And so to start with, Lisa, just if you give our listeners a little bit, just the briefest background about your, I know you have a very successful business. Just a brief background about yourself. Well, I am. I'm an entrepreneur. I own and run five businesses. I'm a mom. I have two amazing young men who are um, 32 and 30, and I'm a city, have been involved in the city for a long time and civics served on lots of boards and, and served in the Republican Party for 20 years and worked on everybody else's campaign but mine. So, and I came here 33 years ago, Debbie, with a suitcase and um, seeking my dreams, and I fulfilled them here, and I want everybody in Texas to be able to have the same opportunities. Well, I'll just tell you in the briefest way um, that Lisa has built a business. I didn't realize when I met her, just just on her own, not family money, not family name, just 
pure hard work and a significant amount of unique talent. Uh, just just a, a gift for uh, anyway, a gift for home development, home design. So she's just done an extraordinary job and really become just just a really nationally and honestly internationally known. So she's quite prominent and very successful at it. And so, but now you're running for Texas House District. 114, which um, I think is a very commendable thing. She she had a primary and um, and took and defeated an incumbent who was not um, making people happy. Um, so, uh, beside your background, and just want to try to ask you in a just general way. I mean, do you have a few big missions when you get to Austin? A few things you really want to target? You know what, Debbie? Um, I've walked my district. I don't have an agenda on what I personally want to do when I get to Austin. My agenda is to represent my district. I've walked over 5,000 doors. I've walked over 5,000 doors. My team has knocked on over 15,000 doors, listening to the heartbeat of our district. And that's what I want to represent. And they have needs, and they want me. They're going to trust me to go down there and fight on their behalf because, you know what, they want good representation. They want to be heard. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go fight for the needs of my district. So to start, just as an example, your district is, it's very residential. Um, it's a, it's a little bit, um, has different segments to it. Just, just, I don't know how to describe it. Just different. It's not all, it's not, all, not monolithic. So let me just ask you something else too, just because I've been hitting on today, the Kavanaugh story. I can hardly stand it. Uh, Wade Miller, we talked about the, the cruise and, um, O'Rourke, I don't want to call him Beto Cruz O'Rourke debate, but anyway, um, I just think there's a real emerging difference between what the GOP, Republican Party, stands for and the Democrats stand for. Do you think so, or do you think they're all really similar? Oh, my gosh, there's a huge difference. You know, I want to, and I think my party wants to get the government's hands out of the pockets of the individuals. My opponent's apartment, the Democrats, want to get both hands in both pockets of taxpayers And I hear it every single day at the door. They're yelling, crying, pleading, help me. Stop taxing us. Stop (laughs) the property taxes. Yes. Okay, so this uh, this race is going to be interesting because, uh, you know, um, there's a uh, a lot of issues facing Texas. When you ask other state reps, they say, well, there's school finance, school choice, there's Second Amendment, there's uh, sanctuary cities, there's uh, government benefits for illegal aliens. And there's a lot of ways that people go. Let me just run through them and ask your thoughts. Some Republican candidates for Texas State House are saying we need to cut back on the availability for illegal aliens to get government-funded benefits. What do you say? I agree. We need to cut back on what they – illegal immigrants. Right, illegal yes, immigrants. absolutely all day long. Yeah. I think it's an interesting thing how the, somehow the mindset of America has changed that we actually thought maybe it was kind of reasonable – to, to do that, and, and you realize it's, it's the working people who pay taxes who are funding that. And I think a lot of them finally saying no, no. You know, we talk about this. We had a meet and greet today, and we talked about immigration. And I, just as I came to Texas 33 years ago with an entrepreneurial spirit, I think people, America is the last, is the greatest nation on, in the world. And people come here from different countries, most of them. Not the bad ones, because there are always bad ones, but with that entrepreneurial spirit to have better for their families. But they come here, I believe, wanting to work, to pay into the system, to assimilate, to for their children to learn English. But we have not put forth a path 
for them to do that. And we have created this monster ourselves. But they want to come. We're not letting them do it correctly. Well, to be well, fair to us, they sneak over the border. I mean, we, we haven't enforced the border well enough. Right. That's right. But they're coming here for because they want a better life. But we've got to stop them at the border. We need the wall. I'm in favor of the wall. My district is in favor of the wall. But we've got to set a way where they don't have to come illegally, that there is a system they can come through. You're always going to have people trying to come yeah. illegally. Well, it's interesting. There is a lot of talk in Washington about overhauling the immigration system, of really having a, a much uh, changing our priorities, changing our, our goals. I mean, I think one thing should be our immigration system should have as a top priority uh, that we are trying to build and protect the American economy and the American people. So we need to bring people here when we don't have workers themselves and when we are trying to, we want them to help our economy, not come and take jobs away from Americans who should be working. Well, not only take jobs away, but put a burden on our school system, on our yeah. health care system, on our justice system, our jail. So there's a lot of things that there are burdens on because we've not taken all of this into account. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to change the Second Amendment here. We um, have like four minutes left. Second Amendment, in the debate between Ted Cruz and Beto O'Rourke, there was a lot of discussion about, you know, that was one of the topics was, you know, these horrific school shootings. And of course, the Democrats' answer is always take away the guns and, and reduce legal access to guns. And then the conservative answer, one, that Ted Cruz promoted was essentially, we have to permit school officials and administrators to be armed if they are trained, and we have to have access for the schools to, a, a, the term is hardening, which I don't like that word, but I mean, it's making the schools safer, like you make a jewelry store safer, including having off-duty police officers who are armed working there. What do you think about that? Is it a scary idea to arm schools or not? You know, it's, it's what our, our society has become, and it is core function of government to protect our children and our families. However it's done, not only do we have to have off-duty policemen and security guards who are willing to go into the action to the shooter, because we know that there have been some that have not, but we also have to make our schools safe, whether it's um, fireproof glass, one entrance in, one entrance out. There's lots of things we need to do. But I am very pro-Second Amendment. So you'd be in favor with a trained administrator being able to have a gun at school? I, I would be. For I sure, would. Absolutely. Yeah. We have to. Oh, I do. You know, it is the oddest comparison someone made up on the school shootings about how, you know, we protect banks and jewelry stores, but places where our children are, we think somehow, I mean, it's crazy. Okay. We don't have a lot of time left, so I want to have you tell our listeners, I mean, your campaign has been so grassroots and so, as you were talking about when you sat down, knocking on doors, meeting constituents, talking to people. So tell us about some of your supporters. First of all, tell us the website. Make sure and tell our listeners your website. LisaLubyRyan.org is our website. We have lots of supporters. We have go on there and you will see the business leaders in Dallas that are supporting me, the civic leaders, the elected officials. But let me tell you who I'm most proud of that you're not going to see. You won't know their name on the list when you see them. That is my clients that when I decided to do this, I went to them and they all said, We've been waiting for this phone call one day because they know I live and breathe this. And the second um, list that you won't see on there are my subcontractors, people that I've worked with, and they are my framers, my painters, my carpet installers, my drapery workrooms, trim carpenters that gave me money for the first time in their life. Which is like a widow's might. Go ahead. That's right. Yeah. And 
they stayed up the night of the primary to see if I won, and they were all the first to reach out to me and say congratulations. These are the people that I hire. These are the people that I manage. These are the people that work on my projects for me, and they all are in support for me. And that is just as important to have their support as these business leaders on my list. And these they've just people all on that list and that you don't see who know me or have gotten to know me in my character, in my heart to be a servant leader. I'm, trust me, I'm not doing this for a title. I've had more titles than any little girl from Tennessee ever thought she'd have. And I'm not doing it for the $600 they pay you before taxes. I'm not taking that money. Yeah. You know, it is astonishing. This is, if you're not in Texas, you may not know, our legislature meets six months every other year. And so it is a, it's not a full-time legislature. Everyone has a job. And uh, basically, they pay very, 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 very little. So Lisa Luby Ryan, it's lisalubyryan.org. Lisa, thank you for coming in and uh, best of luck. And if our listeners are interested, please check out your website. And thanks for coming in. Thanks so much for having me, Debbie. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Have you heard of the Policy Circle? It's a national network of women who come together in neighborhood conversations to discuss the public policies impacting their communities. You can think of it as a book club, but instead of reviewing a book, members discuss public policy issues. Policy Circle members have access to membership-only resources and benefits that complement a thoughtful framework for women to come together and have fact-based discussions. From healthcare to poverty... From free enterprise to education, from fiscal responsibility to the First Amendment, we discuss the issues that shape America. Change starts with a conversation. Conversations happen when women across the nation are connected and engaged in their communities, openly sharing their views and taking a leadership role in policy dialogue on what human creativity can accomplish in a free economy. Are you ready to join a growing network of engaged women? To join or start your own policy circle, visit thepolicycircle.org today. That's thepolicycircle.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. 
This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. Georgiatis. And uh, first, if you're watching on Facebook Live, this is the first time in three years we had a little bit of, I'm not even sure what was happening, a uh, little bit of challenges in Facebook Live. So we're back and sorry for any segments you missed. And also, um, if you're listening on radio, I want to thank our listeners on 660 AM. I so appreciate uh, the show every Sunday evening. Love, love, love the opportunity to talk to Americans, to my fellow Texans, to people all over this country about the extraordinary gift we all have to be American citizens, the gift to be part of America. I want to say hello and thank you to our listeners in Colorado Springs, AM 1460 and FM 11.1 The Answer. Love talking with you. Love when all the list anyone emails me, my email address for radio purposes is America Can We Talk at gmail.com. Love hearing from listeners. Love your comments on Facebook Live. I also want to thank the sponsor of our show. GC Works is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Could not do the show without them. Great, great thanks to GC Works. And uh, on this night of discombobulation, because on top of that, we have a new board system um, here, and um, my clock isn't like it usually is. So fortunately, my extremely wonderful board operator, Greg Lindemood, periodically weighs into my ears and says, you know, you only have 10 seconds. Uh, it's just, you know what? We're just rocking and rolling. Well, I want to do a very, very serious segment, though, uh, in this last um, for tonight and I want to say this, we hit stories every week and we talk about, you know, the um, extreme importance of, of numerous issues facing America. For example, we have we have a nomination following the process the Constitution provided to the, for uh, the president to nominate a new justice for the United States Supreme Court. We have a duly elected Senate and Congress, a duly elected president, and we had this entire system 
set up by the Constitution, followed to a T, and what we are now facing in this week in September, where we're very near the first day of the fall session of the, the new session of the Supreme Court, the first Monday in October, the Supreme Court will be seated. Right now we have we have four uh, fairly reliable conservatives, four very just tremendously unswerving liberals, which means they never they, they pass. They make decisions based on what they think the law should be and not what the Constitution says. So we have just this example that we have a Democrat Party in the United States Senate in the minority position and they're running the freaking country. They are running this. The Democrats are. They're running this nomination. They have attacked Kavanaugh in, you know, 25 different ways. Nothing stuck because Kavanaugh is a stellar nominee to the Supreme Court. Their only objection is because to him in reality is that Kavanaugh will follow the Constitution and liberals want justice on the court who will give them the liberal political outcome they seek. That is the difference between the judges that the Democrats would like and that the Republicans would like. So we have Kavanaugh went through the whole hearing process, already went through a vetting process back in 2006 when he was appointed to be a circuit court judge when George W. Bush was president. Kavanaugh went through this same process, only now it's obviously heightened because it's the Supreme Court. And because of one accusation, unprovable, unproven, cannot be verified, no Every witness that the alleged is accused uh, has identified have all said that never happened. I never saw anything like that. No allegation of Kavanaugh having engaged in any such conduct during his entire adult life. And yet the Me Too mafia on the American left is trying to hold this nomination hostage, trying to sabotage the process in Washington that the Constitution provides of getting a justice on the Supreme Court. This is the Democrat Party in action. The Democrats don't fight like the Republicans. In fact, the Republicans don't fight very well at all. The Republicans have, in dealing with this accuser who is claiming something happened back when she was 15 years old and she never told anyone for 30 plus years, and all of a sudden we're all supposed to jump and bow down and say, oh, well, if you say it happened, that's it. The stellar nominee who's been lived a stellar life and has a, a wife and kids and he has literally in the hundreds now of women's speaking up for him, we're all supposed to just surrender and say, okay, because the Democrat Me Too Mafia is is attacking him, we'll just surrender our nominee. I'm going to tell you, folks, if we do not have a GOP in Washington, in the Senate, capable of recognizing they are being played, they're being steamrolled, and they better stand up. I think they were smart to offer to let her testify. They can hear what she has to say. But unless she has some overwhelming proof, the idea that we will surrender the entire the entire Supreme Court uh, you know, composition, the entire Supreme Court session over this is simply signaling that we don't understand the stakes because the reason the Democrats are fighting so hard is not because they actually care at all about Dr. Ford and this alleged incident from 1982. 
it is because they don't want a conservative majority on the Supreme Court. So I'm going to turn now to tell you that's just one example of how tyrannical, radical, unconstitutionally, unlawfully the American left behaves in Washington. And yet here is a poll from the Wall Street Journal, the Wall Street Journal and NBC News. But the poll says that the Democrats now hold a 12-point advantage over the Republicans in the upcoming fall elections. Folks, I I simply can't believe it. I mean, I guess I can't argue. I suppose it might be true. It's outrageous. We have Democrats bulldozing the Senate Judiciary process, the Senate Judiciary Committee, and the process to appoint a Supreme Court justice. We have a booming economy brought to us by the tax cuts, which the Democrats all opposed. We have abundance of jobs, so many jobs that there are more jobs open than people looking. We have consumer confidence all-time high. We have a foreign policy where we're actually standing up for Israel and moving the American embassy in Israel to Jerusalem instead of being honoring the Palestinian terrorists, we have a president no longer willing to fund the Palestinian terrorists, saying if we keep sending you, we can't, we're not going to keep sending you money because you keep using it to attack Israel. We have a brave and bold foreign policy putting American interests first. It's making the world safer and stronger and more stable. That's what we have right now. And yet, somehow, and it has a lot to do with the media, we have an American public who apparently is thinking that it would be time to give the Democrats power back. You know, during the 2000, um, you know, the two terms of President Obama, America got a real look. They got a bird's eye, firsthand view of what happens when the radical leftists who now define the Democrat Party, when the radical leftists are in charge, they got America got a picture of how it happened. America could not wait to move on from that. America could not wait. So we had a dose of radical leftism. We have an American Democrat Party further left than it has ever been, more openly socialist. We have Democrats, including our own in our own great state of Texas, Beto Cruz, Beto O'Rourke against running against Ted Cruz running on let's get with socialized medicine when you have more and more people from England all over whoever whatever countries have socialized medicine trying to say no don't do it it's bad don't do it you won't like it you won't get good care stop and we can't figure out what to do we have the American left pushing socialized medicine, virtually most of the, the Democrat candidates are running. They call it, you know, uh, let's give Medicare for all because they know if they say socialized medicine that maybe enough Americans are still alert to say, wait, wait, no, we don't want that. So they call it something else. They euphemistically call it, let's have Medicare for all. The Democrats would drive this country over the same cliff that Venezuela is, has now fallen over. 
You can watch Venezuela. You see what happens when socialism is introduced. You see what happens when the mindset is big government, radical power, gross overuse of federal power of the federal agencies. And yet, in, in, in this time, in the 18, whatever it is, months since President Trump has been in office, we have gotten rid of mountains of unnecessary regulation. We have pulled back regulation. We have businesses growing. We have jobs abundantly. Everything is flowing beautifully in America. And it's kind of like you look at all those numbers and you look at all the, the goodness that is coming. And then, you say, and then we say, yeah, but we're thinking about pulling the plug and going back to the crappy economy we had under President Obama. And we're considering going back to the weak need, jelly-spined foreign policy we had under President Obama, where we sent money and aid to the world's number one terror exporting country, Iran, we had a foreign policy where we aided the worst people in life. We gave money to Iran. We, we had a president bowing down to the, uh, the leftists and the radical countries in this, um, in this world. And, and we couldn't stand it then. Part of what, why President Trump won was because we wanted to have a reassertion of a good, of, of, of valuing, valuing of America and now we have it, and we somehow have the um, just somehow have this astonishing, uh, ir- irrational yeah, polling saying, "Yeah, I think we should go back to Democrat control." Folks, there are a lot of good, decent Democrat people in this country, but the Democrat Party at the national level is a radical left-wing. Socialist, big government controlling, freedom eviscerating, privacy destroying, rights dis- rights dissembling, and we cannot go back to that. I am Debbie Georgiatis. I'll be back next Sunday, 6 p.m. Central Time. Come back to hear America Can We Talk. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, Truth About America. America.